My name is Penny Ferguson, and I'm founder and CEO of The Living Leader. And I suspect that most people would have heard of me or know my name because of the program uh, that's now had, gosh, 65 plus, give or take a few, 65,000 people go through, and it's been translated into five languages. Uh, it's called the Personal Leadership Program, and... Uh, it's been one heck of a journey delivering this program. And I guess it's changed my life as much as it would have done the people who've attended. What has been so exciting for me about this leadership journey uh, is that we definitely find that this program has a sustainable impact. Uh, we get emails almost every week from people say, I did your program 10 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever. And that says something about the power of the program, but it also says how important, once people really get it, how important leadership is to them. And this is why I thought it was really important to do some of these podcasts, because to me, if you can really get leadership, it can change your life and it can change the life of everybody whose life you actually touch. So who am I going to be speaking uh, to today? Today, it's a gentleman called Steve Back. Now, I met him, my goodness, uh, certainly about 20 years ago when he was the PLC finance director of Budgeons before it was sold. And it was really funny. It was uh, somebody called Paul Danes, who I'm going to be speaking to later, who at the time was HR manager, and he decided to bring the program into Budgeons. And Steve Back decided he thought too much money had been spent on training and he'd seen no bottom line results and he did everything he could to see if he could stop it coming in and he failed. And then he himself went on the program and he ended up saying, this is making a difference. I know when one store manager has been through your program, staff turnover drops and performance goes up. So he became as passionate about the program as he was negative about it before. So my journey started all that time ago with Steve. Since then, he's been into other companies. He ended up uh, as, first of all, finance director and then CEO of Summerfield. And he's then been on a journey of some various other companies. And we've always stayed close to him. He's basically taken us in wherever he goes. And so I had a thoroughly enjoyable conversation with Steve. And I hope you find that interesting. What is, for me, so interesting about this one is remember what position he holds, finance. And it's not typical for finance to be the people who are bringing in leadership. To them, they look at it and see it just as a cost. He didn't. He invariably took us in wherever it was he went. So I hope you enjoy listening. And just remember at the back of your mind, this is a guy who's in finance very senior in finance. So enjoy listening to him. Good morning, Mr. Back. Good morning, Penny. It's so good to see you. Um, I was just sitting here thinking, how long is it since we very first met and you came on the programme? How many years ago is it? Uh, it's too long. It's before 2000. God, is it really? <laughs> it, it was in Hinkley. 
Is it honest to goodness that it long? It was. Wow, you were one of my early clients. So you're going to be able to talk with great authority on leadership and its impact and everything else. And I do want to just say to everybody who's going to be watching this that the thing that's exciting to me to talk about this is that, of course, you're the king of finance. You know, you've been into big companies, you've been CEO, but for you, the driving force has always been finance. So to actually talk to somebody about leadership from finance, which is not normally a mix that goes together, is really very exciting. So I'm really delighted that you've given up the time to come and talk to me. So thank you. Delighted to be here. So let's kick off first of all with, tell me why you think leadership is important. Leadership's important in this diverse and fast-moving, fast-changing world. Uh, to allow not only yourself but the whole team to be in a position where they can learn, develop and change. And that's a big issue that most businesses now have. It's not their product, it's not what they were doing, it's what they need to do to stay ahead and to stay in front of uh, all this change that's happening. And people in my industries that I've always worked in, which is retail, are absolutely critical in doing that. And as we know from the high street, it's not a good place out there. No, at the moment, it certainly is a little bit on the challenging side. You don't quite know what's going to happen next. Correct. So I have to take you back because I do still remember this. When you, we first started working in the company you were in at the time, uh, I think you were the PLC finance director at the time. And uh, the HR director started putting people through our programs. And I think for the first three to six months, you didn't come through it. You just saw money being spent by HR on leadership training. And I got the feedback from, I can still remember the guy's name, Paul Danes. He said, we're getting a lot of flack from the finance director who I hadn't met from the finance director saying, why are we spending all this money on training? We've just spent all this money on training and I've seen no impact at all. Why are we spending more money? And then eventually it came to your turn and you got put on this personal leadership program that you knew very little about. What was your reaction? Uh, my reaction was, uh, as I pulled up at, uh, at your premises and uh, sat there in the car, got there early, and suddenly asked myself, what the hell am I doing here? Why am I, <laughs> why am I going through leadership at this age? And what is it, what, what's all this about that I'm going to go through today? And whilst day one is a challenge, as the programme in those days used to be the three-day programme, uh, it does start to make you think, and that's the good, the good part, because it fits all people, all shapes, all sizes, and professions, whether you're in caring, whether you're in teaching, whether you're in leadership for business, commerce, it fits everybody. And it touches everybody in different ways. Um, and clearly, uh, touched me not once, but three times with two further companies that we took the program through as well. Why do you think that you wanted to bring this leadership in when training before finance typically does not bring training in okay what is it about this that made you say no this can really make a difference 
Well, it made a difference. Uh, it made a difference for me personally, so I could see the personal aspects of it. It made a difference from the business perspective because I started to see and hear out in the retail estate. I started to hear people talking about it. And shop staff were saying, I don't know what happened to that manager, but he's been away on this course and he's come back a different person. Also, because of the way we did it, we did it area by area. So yeah. we could see results that were starting to change, both in terms of the way the business was operated, how the people were treated, and more importantly, the bottom line. And the bottom line in all instances was going up and that was driven by uh, better sales, uh, more customer engagement, uh, and that led to higher profits. And my company at that time was probably uh, third in its sector in terms of profitability by the time we'd finished the program. And it was a joy that we actually managed to get more than 80% of the people through that program. Wow, was it as many as that? Yeah. I didn't realise it was that. Yeah, we were. Because if you remember, I made the budget available. Yeah, you did. Um, so whilst Paul was under pressure in the early days, he then got a different type of pressure when I said to him, right, if I can find the money, <laughs> can you roll it out? And of course he said yes. And then when we started to see results, the only person I think we failed with was our CEO. Uh, but that, in a way, uh, was it, it didn't affect the business because the rest of the board had been through it. Yeah. The next challenge was when you took the board through it as a single entity mm. uh, with no other guests apart from the board themselves. Mm. And that was, uh, I always remember you saying that was a challenge, possibly a step too far mm. to do a board. Mm. Um, and actually, uh, whilst on day two we had a lot of issues um, and we had people wishing to resign because they suddenly realised what their life entailed on their personal side. Uh, but we had all, also other people step up to the plate and indeed I had a, a fellow director that I never really got on well with, but from buddying up with him, we're still together today. We shared the same birthday, we didn't know that. If you remember when we gave our three, three items, he said, I want the same as Steve. And I'm like looking at him saying, you can't have the same as me. You must <laughs> choose your own. Uh, and in fact, he bought his fabulous fast car before I did. Did he really? He did. He did. And it was the colour I wanted and it was the car I wanted. <laughs> but he did it first and we've been close ever since. How fascinating. So how, when you went to the next company, how much bigger was that? Oh, it was uh, ten, 10 times the size of the previous company. It had 66,000 employees. So that was quite a tall order. It was two brands that had been squeezed into yeah. one acquisition. The acquisition hadn't been successful in, in terms of the integration. And uh, new, uh, new directors were brought in to try and resolve that. But the issue then is that you're faced with people that have come through different business streams yeah. with different aspects of how they manage, how they wish to manage. And uh, in the food sector, that's quite a tough one because your Tesco's, your Sainsbury's, et cetera, are very different. Yeah. And bringing people in from those entities then created quite a diverse group of individuals. But what the leadership program did do was unite us to say, actually, 
we know what we're doing, we're all experts, it's how we're doing it that needs to change and how we lead from the front to start with but then step back and let our team. I mean what you did in there was amazing because you went in there I think as the finance director and you persuaded the top team to go through it and I took the top team personally through it and I can still remember on the morning of day two, I can still remember this, it still amuses me, was your CEO, who will remain nameless, said to me, um, we've been talking about this overnight, little bit concerned. This is a very powerful programme, but wouldn't it be a bit too much to take it further down the organisation? And I thought, God, this is crazy, because all it is is common sense. It's just not common practice. Do yeah. you remember that? I, I do, so I do. Fascinating. Just to correct you, he was my chairman, not the CEO he at the time. He was your chairman. You were the FD at the time, yeah, weren't you? Yeah, I the was group the FD. FD. And there was group no FD. CEO at the time. So there was that middle oh, yeah. person that was missing. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. Common sense is <laughs> what it's all about. I think people try and overcomplicate it. Yeah. And they start to look more in-depth at certain aspects of it. Yeah. But across the balance, if you go with common sense, you can't fail. Um, it is searching, it is uh, questioning, it is challenging, but that's all good because then that starts to turn and change the business and it starts to look at itself in a different way, in a positive way, in a good way, because it starts to look at what can we do better, how, how do we do it and who do we need to energise to get to that point. And if you start to put all that together, then it's quite... It's quite, uh, a it, it's quite a demanding exercise, but at the same time, it's a rewarding exercise because you start to see results. The thing that was uh, interesting there, it wasn't that long before you moved from Group FD to CEO, was it? Yeah. It wasn't, but that's probably where sometimes the programme doesn't work because I'm, I've never been confident as a CEO. I've done CEO twice now. And I, uh, and I know you've talked to me about it a number of times and said, look, it's all in your mind. <laughs> but, you know, from my sporting background, when I was captain of the rugby team, I didn't play well. But when I was pack leader, second in command, I played bloody well. Yeah. And that's what's always been in my mind. And I think I'm a, you know, top commercial finance guy. There you are. Um, but only a second tier CEO. So there are better people that can do that role and I'm happy to do the support role and make sure we deliver. But you, uh, both in the Group FD role and the CEO role, we got into a major role out there. I can't remember how many people we trained. I think that you convinced the HR people that they needed to take, I think it was about 12 people. There was only a couple of HR, it was mainly line managers out of the business. Yeah. And they literally became the keepers of the culture. They delivered training programs. Uh, they went around mentoring, coaching, everything. What do you think was the impact in that company when you really did that in that way? I, I think it, it, the, the fear that you have with this as a program is, can I roll it out fast enough, particularly in the retail field because of the number of uh, people that yeah. are involved even down to a junior management level. We saw that experience in a smaller company. We were in the same sector, so we had to think, how could we roll this out to 66,000? And the results were quite astounding because we had a 
team led by the HRD who actually believed in it and really understood it and really uh, got to grips with it. And the more that we pushed that team to, to, to take the programme, the more that we started to get that permeate through the rest of the organisation. The only bit that I, I always feel that we didn't do as, successful, as successfully in uh, the uh, next company was we didn't get those area managers, which is where I really did see the benefit yeah. in the first company to, to see that benefit and see what, what, was, what, what, what you were really truly capable of delivering. And how much do you think, because obviously ultimately the company was sold, but how much do you think it actually improved performance to the bottom line, which hopefully got you a better oh, no, price anyway? I have no doubt. In both instances it, it added benefit to the bottom line and it changed the companies from being struggling uh, retailers that were fighting for their position to actually owning their position. We did re redefine it through the strategy, but they, they both owned their position and both went for astronomical sums uh, in, in takeovers. Uh, the first was the highest, I still think, today. Um, oh, really? In its multiple that it achieved. And uh, the larger one um, was, uh, had 10 bidders. And so to have 10 bidders in a bidding process, I mean, that says to me, big tick, success. So it's not just about the bottom line, it's the value that enhances of the company itself. That's, it's really pretty impressive, Jeanette. It's one of the biggest challenges. It's one of the biggest challenges I have, getting people to realise they talk about leadership as soft skills. To me, they're not soft skills. Mm. They may be difficult to measure, but they're not soft skills. And there's a company we're working with at the moment where they've had consultants in, big name consultants. And of course, all they focus on is changing the processes, the structures, mm. uh, everything that they can, which is what we call the O side, everything about the organization, which I'm not saying isn't necessary, it is. But what they don't do is anything on, but how do we get individuals to take ownership? And to me, that's what you did by getting us to work with you here. Yes, you had to change a lot of other things. Yeah. Of course you did. Yeah. And you needed to do that. But what you did at the same time was say, no, but this is equally important. There's no question this is equally important. So how do we make really certain that that happens? That's a very good point, and you know, uh, both companies I worked in, we were encouraged. At, in fact, uh, it was mandatory in my first company that we were in the stores once a week. Uh, in my second company, it was once every other week, which is still a big commitment when you're uh, a national entity. And I can, I can give you an example that describes that. Um, I was in a store in Oswald Street, still remember it well. Uh, a lady came up to me, one of my, our staff members, and was talking to me about the bakery. And she asked me, was I the big cheese, which I acknowledged. And she said, can I talk to you about the bakery? And I was about to engage with her when a regional director stepped in for me and said, look, uh, Mr. Back's too busy for this. Uh, can we park it and we'll, we'll, we'll pick it up through your area manager? To which politely I had to say, look, she's made the effort to come to me. That's quite a big step. I'd like to hear what she wants to say. And she took me uh, through what she'd done. 
I then asked, could I see what she'd done? Because I said, I suspect you've actually done it in this store today because you knew I was coming. She said, I have. So I went. Regional manager, uh, director and store manager are now shaking in their boots because they know what I'm going to say when I see it. It's not merchandised as it should be merchandised to the planogram that the central team had specced. But it is as simple as she challenged me because what she'd organised the bread into, brown and white. Why do we have it all mixed? Why is it all over the place? Why can't I just do brown and white? Very simple, mm. very logical, but mm. we know that all the suppliers make payments for product placement, product position. Mm. So I went back on my own. I dealt with her and said, thank you very much for that. I said to the regional director, look, be very careful how you treat people because you could have closed her out. And she had an idea. Whether it's right or wrong, it's not within our judgment to actually make that initial judgment until we've actually understood it. When I went back to the office, she was 8% up, like for like. Really? I then empowered that regional director to do his whole area without telling the trading team. And we increased bread sales. We then took that across the whole business. That's the power of Penny Ferguson and the leadership course. Because <laughs> nor normally you wouldn't have done that. Right. And there are many examples where that happened on the trading, uh, on the trading floor, on the trading line about the illogical uh, process of how products are placed because should we do wine by country? Should we do it as simple as red and white? And people's passions get in front of common sense sometimes. And she gave me a common sense answer, proved that the numbers were proving that. Therefore, we took the decision and switched it. Simple as that. I know this is a rotten question. Before you did the programme, would you have done that before? Um, I, probably I am a, an engaging person that will talk to people. You know, I came from working class family, so I don't have problems in, in dealing and listening to people. Customers often accost you when they realise that you're the suit on the floor and you must be important because there's people walking behind you. But um, it, I don't have a problem with it. I, I think if people have a problem with it, then they're in the, certainly in retail, you're in the wrong job. So just tell me, how do you think you personally changed? I mean, okay, you've done the programme. Yeah. I have many, three, four times now. Um, so you've definitely got it by now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you could, you could either look at that two ways. You could either say I was bad. <laughs> no. You did three attempts. No. But each one was driven by, you know, a business, a business requirement. Um, it's helped me immensely in, in the way I operate, the way I work. Um, I've not taking it as the classic finance view. I am a leader first and then finance comes second and the commercial comes uh, with it. Um, and in my personal life it's helped me, in my business life it's helped me. Uh, for me it's a no-brainer as, as a programme. It's something that the reason I've done it three times is that three businesses have benefited from it. Um, and as you know with the last one that was a different mission, uh, but it certainly helped. And again, before they were able to really push it and roll it out, it was again a success in that somebody came in and bid for it uh, by seeing the change that we were making. And they bid early so that they could get the benefits rather than make it a higher price for us to sell it. So just tell me, if you in 
I don't know, one or two sentences, had to say to people, this is why you think the program works. This is why you think it has an impact in whatever way. If you like, it's called, I had to ask the guys who were filming this, I couldn't think of the words this morning. If you had to do an elevator pitch, you know what that is, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, an yeah, elevator yeah, pitch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. To somebody, floor one, to floor to two. Some, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe for floor no, I'm four. Not thinking you know America. I'm not thinking one to 88 as so, in, in no. America. So, <laughs> so if you were going to do an elevator pitch to say to somebody, this is why I think going on the programme would be beneficial, how would I, you, what would you do? For me, it's, it's about you have built over a period of years some bad habits. Yeah. You've also, over a period of years probably not had a lot of training and development I mean sadly you know I'm a chartered accountant it does not still rest in any of those aspects which it should as far as I'm concerned and then you look at the common sense of it and I can't describe it any greater than that you can go through all the theory that gets presented and you can go through all the aspects but if you can match that common sense with the inner desire to make the change then it's a win-win, both for you as an individual and for the company that benefits on, on the other side. Um, and in my latest role, which we just started to roll it out, um, one of the nice things was uh, one of the senior guys saying, you know, Steve came into this business and he didn't tip finance upside down and started making changes and bringing his own people in. He looked and listened to what he got and he's got more out of the same team than anybody else in that business has got wow. out of them in the past. And that for me is the change because that's, that leaves you leaving that office quite high and going, has he really said that? Wow. It's brilliant because that's leadership. Yeah. And with management, you don't get that. Correct. Correct. Because you're always driving performance, telling people what to do, leadership. That's the sort of thing that you'd see that suddenly a team that wasn't performing before starts to perform with a new person at the top. Yeah. yeah. Which is key. And it is, and it's breaking it down into, you know, I remember with my first company, I uh, did one of the uh, conferences and I stood up and said, look, what we're trying to achieve is one pound more sale on every basket. And the ops director after lunch came back and he, got, he had two products and said, that's a pound. That's what your finance director is asking for. How hard's that? Now, I didn't have to deliver it. All I did was set, there's a goal. Yeah. The how came from themselves. And then they were all nodding. I was just in the audience then watching everybody nodding, thinking, my God, I perhaps set it too low. I hadn't <laughs> no. I set it at a, you know, a number that everybody resonated with, you know, yeah. a pound. What is a pound? Yeah. But if you can do that on every customer's basket, that's a lot. Yeah. And that's, that's the power. So, so tell me, you, you just touched on it, just tell me how you think it's impacted your um, personal life through really doing this. Um, at the time I came to uh, your first programme, I was, uh, from a personal perspective, I was going through a divorce. Um, I had uh, three young children that were impacted by that. Uh, and my daughter, I was struggling to... Um, uh, I struggling to, the boys were naturally close to father, but my daughter was just, just wasn't there. I was just missing something. Um, and when I went home and really, uh, after your day one and really thought about it, 
I suddenly realised there was a there was a way of approaching that uh, and making that change. And now we're the two closest. <laughs> so it, it, it's funny how you know by making a change, and it wasn't a big change that I had to make. Right. Um, that suddenly that relationship was and and is today very strong. If you had to say to people watching this, and say these are the behaviours that I think are the most important to change. What would you say are the behaviours that are most important? I think, that, I think that's difficult. It, it, it's all depending, dependent on the circumstances and, and where you are yeah. and also where the business is. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of moving parts and that's, that's why I think that part is quite complex. Yeah. I'm not saying that you have to have a behaviour for this or a behaviour for that, but it, it's how you use that, whether you're using it in full or you're using only part of it. So I, I tend to sit back, look at the culture of the business first, and then I'll work out how I want to then slightly tweak my behavior or adjust it slightly. Um, and you know, I've had a meeting before now where somebody says, you didn't say actually a lot in that meeting. I said, I didn't have to. You guys gave me everything I needed. All I had to do was listen, and that's the one in this world um, part that I think we're going to struggle with because technology is taking you away from that lovely skill and that lovely uh, opportunity to actually listen to people because they're all stuck behind their little machines, their mobile phones and their whatever gadget they're using and they're just sat there. And you can watch this now on trains. I mean, on trains in the past, I remember people used to chat and talk. And even if you didn't know the person next to you, there would be a some form of conversation. Yeah. Now there's nothing. That's quite sad. Okay, and I 100% agree with you. What do you think that you could do to help stop that in whatever area you're in? For me, I, I ask, uh, I know some people want to start typing their actions into their machines straight away, but I do actually ask them to put them down. And that's the, only, that's the only request I have. I do ask for phones to be switched off. Don't mind them buzzing, but not to be going off because it just stops the flow of all meetings and, and all aspects. Yeah, I know. And um, we've actually had a couple of people turn up on the program bringing, thinking they can make notes. And we just say, no, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. Um, because they'll get distracted. There'll be a little quiet ping of an email coming in. Absolutely, absolutely. And, yeah, and it's, you know, it's human nature to say, I wonder what that was. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a difficult balance um, and it's not perfect, but it's something that does need to be, uh, to be looked at how you work that into your teams and how you operate. Yeah, just, just tell me one thing, because you've touched it a couple of times. If there's an organisation that decide, decided that they wanted to bring this in and roll it out, what do you think is the most effective way of rolling it out? What, what did you, in your experience? I think if you're in a smaller team, then you, you do need the professionals around you that can support that because there's not enough depth in the smaller team to actually do that. Yeah. And that's certainly true of company one and company three of mine. When it's a bigger company, when, and you're talking about 66,000, you start multiplying it up about, you know, even if you say it's a hundred pounds uh, per person, then you start to hit some big numbers. And then I think that's something that you can actually embed within your own team uh, and drive that forward, but still use support yeah. to just keep them uh, focused and on, 
to have your own trainers. Yeah. It's absolutely key. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. on one hand, we're teaching responsibility, and the other say, but give us responsibility to change you. Correct. So that's not a very no. useful message. No, agreed. So having, I can't remember how many you had in, where you had the 66,000. It was certainly at least 12. It may have gone oh, up to 18. Yeah, yeah, it, it may have gone that. up to more yeah, than that. it was more than that. And you had them, um, and they did, they were amazing. They did the yeah. mentoring, the coaching, giving the feedback, going round, going into meetings, observing what was happening. They were absolutely phenomenal, all of them. Um, how important do you think speed is? Uh, speed is important to get a critical mass that are yeah. working in that way. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it doesn't have to be a huge number. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it is, yeah, it, I mean, whilst I wouldn't, I wouldn't support doing a board as a board because I don't think they benefited from hearing other people and uh, people not connected with our industry but I would do sections of boards to try and get them through because they're, they're the ones that will sponsor it and will take it through the business. Okay I need to understand what you mean by board because when I did it with your top team including the chairman that was a board and I thought it was very effective. I, I think it was in what how we got there. Yeah. I, I if it hadn't have been Penny Ferguson herself, yeah. I think that would have been a struggle. I really do think that one would have been a struggle. Listen, boards are always a pain in the butt. Boards are always <laughs> powerful <laughs> things, and therefore they, uh, they they take different approaches. But I think the way that you manage that, we could have had a crisis day two, or we could have come out of it. And we actually came out of it. The part that we lost traction with, of course, is that that took more time to resolve. Yes, I know. It's, it is interesting because I, I fundamentally think that you do need to start with the top as a team and then take them through individually with their own teams, which is what we did with a big company in America. I did the, personally, I did all the top team, yeah. um, the CEO and all the managing directors of the divisions. Then all the managing directors went through a second time with their directors. So they had to do it twice really quite quickly. Yeah, and using yourself as that. They did for the top, yes. For the top, then that, that would make sense. And it, buying from the top is key. Uh, if you don't have the top team walking the talk, you have yeah. a real, have a real challenge. Yeah. And that's where when you are very senior, you can keep them aligned. You yeah. can keep challenging and questioning and challenging. Yeah. I do, I do, why you had to say that about it being me? It's really funny. I had somebody recently um, and um, senior VPHR, who you've met, and he's talking about me running small programs. I said, look, you don't need me. You don't. You really don't. You've got feedback on my other trains. They're amazing. Et and he went, no, but you know, Penn, there's something very special about about a five foot nothing, 75 year old putting these big egos in their place. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I would argue that's his job. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so him, I'm trying to stand back. So, come on, Steve, if you wanted all these people who are watching, yep. you wanted to be able to say to them, this is why leadership is truly important. What would you say? Uh, to get your business balanced and to actually drive the business forward. It is an important leg of the strategy that has to be there. It's not something that is a maybe or nice to have. To get 
all those bits that you put into the strategy into a deliverable, there has to be the work stream that says how are we going to do it and how are our leaders going to perform in actually making that uh, happen. And in most instances, as everything, as all businesses are changing and driving forward, that has to be the change agent through people and, and through teams that are supported mm -hmm. in looking at it in a different way than traditionally is, is, is the role, which is send everybody out, get your objectives done, bring them back, and then try and deliver it. I'm really interested by this, and I sometimes do ask people this, and I know it's not an easy question to answer, but I'd be fascinated to know what your response is. You are now, let's say, utterly accountable for having the right top team. Yeah. It doesn't matter if there's no CEO and you're the group FD or this or whatever. And let's say you have a director who is bringing you in the financial results, but completely the wrong way. So he's doing it by driving, driving, driving performance yeah. in whatever way. Might be having people working stupid hours, might be doing all sorts of things yeah. that goes against leadership 100%. What do you do? Do you keep them or do you get rid of them? I, I think your first, your first call has to be to see, can you keep that individual? That yeah. has to be your first call. Yeah. Whether you can make the change on that individual is a difficult is a difficult one and that goes back to company two where you know there were individuals that have been you know very entrenched in the way their businesses operated and some of them are tough and some of them are a bit uh, more open and some are closed but in terms of you have to read that that part and then it, it for me it's incumbent upon the rest of the board to help that person if that person's committed but if that person won't change or doesn't change, then what do you then do? Afraid it's succession. So you it is for, for you leadership can do and it. how they do it is as important as the results. Absolutely, absolutely. There are too many, uh, there are too many operators that oper you know, use a baseball bat to get results. Yeah. And that's not what's required. Yeah. Steve, as always, a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Pam. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Steve, probably a little bit more informal despite him being finance. I always think he's not your typical finance director. He's got bags of personality, wicked sense of humour, and I've always enjoyed working with him very much indeed. He's actually at times been part of helping us in The Living Leader as well because he's so passionate about what it is that we, we do and the impact that we can have. So I hope you enjoyed um, listening to Steve. I hope, again, you've taken some things from it, remembering that this is a guy from finance who's become passionate about leadership, which, in my experience, is not very common. And I rate him incredibly highly for that. So um, what we're... Um, I suppose we must now be nearly halfway through the podcast or even a bit further. However, we've still got um, a few more interviews that I'm going to be sharing with you. No, they're not interviews, I'm sorry. They're informal chats. Um, so I, although I have to admit, you'll probably, um, you won't know this when you're listening to it, but this is being filmed as well. Oh, I guess I, it would be good to say to you at this point, if any of you decide you do want a filmed version, all you have to do is get in touch again with me at The Living Leader. But nearly all of these interviews, we had the 
pleasure of borrowing uh, Chris Weston's office at Agreco, which was a wonderful place and we always had a great time being able to do it there. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Steve and we will then be moving on to another senior person um, and I think we have three more to go. So please remember, please can you just make some the odd note about other things you might like to hear. If there's any specific person, I can't guarantee it, but I can give it a whirl, who you think is a great leader. And also just give me feedback. What are you taking from this? What are you gaining as a benefit? And if you could email me, that would be amazing. It's penny at the livingleader.com and I really look forward to speaking to you again.